Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Scott Danner on the line. Scott, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. You've got a really interesting backstory and a new book and all kinds of other stuff going on. So I want to share with the audience a little about you and we'll dive right into this conversation. Yeah. You know, I'll give the the quick version. Um, most importantly, I am a husband of almost 19 years to my wife, Adrian, and I have two kids, two boys, 15 and 12, um, that play a ton of soccer. And I love that about life. Um, in the business world, I am the CEO of a company called Freedom Street Partners. We're a financial advisory company with about 40, 45 advisors across, um, across seven states right now. We, uh, we also just launched the Freedom Street book this past year, which is what I'm doing a lot of podcasts about. And I really appreciate the opportunity to get it out there. But um, you know, I, I, I started the company about uh, five and a half, six years ago. We had been a, I had been a lifestyle uh, financial advisor, I call it, for 15 years. Uh, went out, started the company. We now manage approximately $3 billion under management. We have uh, quite a few advisors, like I said. And most importantly, um, we're a life wealth optimization shop. And that's our tagline. Life always comes first. And so I've been excited to have the conversation with you because I think that's what you're all about and a lot of uh, what your podcast is about. No, it fits quite well. And yes, there are people that chase success. They chase money. They chase business growth, personal growth, and all of that. Uh, but they kick life to the curb a little bit while they're doing that. And they'll say, well, I'll, I'll focus on that afterwards. And I was guilty of that, you know, and I know you're familiar with my story and, you know, of course, you know, did everything I did to you know be really successful and it nearly killed me. So let's try that again. And needless to say, you know, I had a different focus on it saying, okay, success is great, but to what cost? And I love the fact that uh, your firm in the book, you know, talks about, you know, life and wealth as a, and not an either or type of thing, but asking, you know, people, okay, what kind of life do you want to have now? What kind of life do you want to have as you approach retirement age? What kind of life do you want to have during retirement age? What's important to you? And I'm sure, you know, in, in the engagement that you have with your clients, they may have some of those answers, but they probably don't have all of them because so many of us don't think about that. They don't, they don't think about what does retirement look like? What will it feel like? They, they have this pie in the sky. I'm going to go on trips and do this and this. That's great. Those are one-off kind of things. And yeah, you might spend three or four weeks in a year going on whatever, but guess what? There's another 40-something weeks where you won't be doing that. And what will you be doing? And a lot of people, right. I don't think, really think about that. I think it's really important to define this question. Um, what does freedom mean to you? You know, when you can define what freedom means, you can also start to define what success means. And so a lot of us were chasing financial objectives, financial goals. 
you know, especially if you don't come from much, you want that financial freedom. But financial freedom without the very things you care about the most is empty. So defining what a free life looks like and what will you do with free time? What will you designate as the most important parts of your day, your life, your story, your legacy? These are the kinds of things that I think that that you're bringing up here. And, you know, being a financial advisor for two decades, people often um, get turned off by our profession. And, and, and it's interesting because what's so great about our profession is I've spent 20 years being a psychiatrist, a marriage counselor, a, a partner, a friend, a shoulder to cry on when somebody's passed. You know, these are things that give you life opportunities to learn from every person that sits in front of you. And that's really what we've been doing for 20 years is helping people define what freedom means to them. And today we're just trying to take that message a little bit, a little bit louder, a little bit clearer, a little bit more defined through the book and the other opportunities of, 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 of platforms like yours. And I love that's your approach on, you know, what does freedom mean to you? Because society, social media is helpful. And I use quotes around helpful uh, and showing people what freedom looks like. Well, okay, that might be freedom for that person that you're looking at on Instagram or on Twitter or wherever, but that may not be your definition of freedom. You know, mine is you know, being able to do what I want, where I want, when I want. And it's simplistic. There's a lot that goes into it, but you have to understand, okay, well, what do you want to do? You know, why do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? Okay, do you have the resources to be able to do that? If you don't, what are some things you can do to get you to the point where you can do those things that you want to do? You know, whether it means financially or the type of work that you do to give you more flexibility. And you have to really analyze things. You have to do a deep dive. You know, it helps, you know, for those of us that have worked in careers where you have to do a lot of research or analysis. Doing it on ourselves and what's important to us, again, may not be easy for some people because we're often very judgmental of ourselves, hopefully not too judgmental of other people, but for our own wellness and our own well-being, sometimes we are really hard on ourselves on the decisions that we've made on the past that for some reason we're holding on to now and we don't really need to. I mean, you, you can learn from it, you can adapt, you can make some adjustments in your life. So the decisions that you made in the past are not a life sentence in most cases. It's here's, you can, you can change, you can pivot, you can go into a different direction. And one of those things is ultimately you end up making these choices as long as you know kind of the path where you're going. Now there's going to be twists and turns and everything else in life provides us that. It's not a straight line. It never really is. It's lots of squiggles. Or if you're an investor, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And oh, Chairman Powell's talking today. Uh-oh, you know, what's that what's that going to do to the market? Well, it might make it go crazy, it might not, depending on what he has to say and what you know, whatever's but, going but on in the world. What can we control, right? So the exactly. key component is we can only control action. We can only control what we're doing. I can't control whether or not the media is going to run with a negative story about what's going on in the world. I can't control whether the markets go up or down. You can't control whether uh, your, your job or career 
need you anymore. You can control what direction you want to go in and continue to make major decisions that affect the positive outcome of your life, but it starts with action. And I think that's where people, um, the old analogy I saw was a, um, a, 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 pres- a presenter one time was describing the stock market. And he said, think of this chair. He said, most people see this chair and he, he defined it. He just kept moving the chair all around. That's, that's the markets. That's investing. That's anything in life. It's success. It moves everywhere. The person that's most successful sits patiently in the chair and lets the chair go wherever it's going to go, but focuses on their own path. They don't keep standing up and moving wherever the chair is going. They don't keep running to a new direction or a new place just because the chair is moved. It, it really is unique, but it's something that is often misguided. And I think, I think your, your point is the squiggly line, that is success. That is that is the the journey and enjoying the journey is something I think I've learned personally through challenges and and through the things that we've all been through um, is a lot more fun to enjoy the journey than it is to just enjoy the result. I'm a big fan of journaling and I, it just dawned on me the journey and journal both start with the same four letters and I don't think that's accidental. I, I think that looking back and reflecting and enjoying the process of things is where the growth happens. It's where the opportunities getting from point A to point B is great. You know, you go on a vacation, let's say you're going to drive from you know, upstate New York down to Orlando because you're going to Disney or Universal or wherever. Well, yeah, you, there's going to be stops along the way and you're going to encounter different things. But I find whenever I do a trip like that, that the journey is, I guess it's, a, I don't want to say it's a surprise because I know, you know, whenever I go on a driving trips like that, that I'm going to take time to really be present and, and focus on what I see, which is usually a good thing when you're driving anyway, but, yeah. uh, but also just, you know, the, the different landscapes and the different things you see. And make that part of the journey. Yes, you're looking forward to getting to your destination to do whatever you're going to be doing there. But along the way, if you can enjoy that, then once you land, then you're, I find, more fulfilled. You're more present. You feel better. And and the same thing with investment planning or retiring is the journey to get there. If you're focusing on those steps and paying attention along the way, you really get to celebrate all the decisions you made in the path along the way and the lessons you learned, which is just going to make you know your your future even brighter when you you know enjoy every moment of it, not just I look forward to when I get retired. So you're going to be miserable until you retire. Well, you're going to get in that habit of being miserable, then you're going to retire, and guess what? I think it's just going to be a light switch, and you you won't be miserable. Probably not. Right. We still have to be doing something. And I think the key component, you mentioned journaling, it, it, taking a step along the way to actively make a choice to review the successes of a day, the objectives of the day, gratitude for the day. You know, there are joyful moments in every day. Most people only focus on what they did or didn't get done. So when I'm coaching entrepreneurs, 
or, or business leaders of any kind, whether it's financially or just in business in general, it's always the same message. We've got to focus on the small steps and the big, and, and the big wins will come once you do all the actions. I, I love, I love Tom Brady. I'm not a, a, a Patriots or Tampa Bay fan, but I love winners and I love studying what they do. And what Tom does is he focuses so diligently on the process, putting the right players in process, having the right coaches surrounding him, having the right mentality at all points in time in the game. When the playoffs start, he goes to a hotel, he stays there, he's focused, he's completely driven towards that that perspective. And then I'm sure once he wins the Super Bowl or he or he doesn't, he then spends weeks with his with his family, you know, doing fun things, vacationing, it's it's being fully present, but it, but really focusing on that journey that creates that level of success. Most people want all the things Brady has, but they don't want to put that work into it. And so if you're joyful about the good things and you're putting in the work, the result is inevitable. Brady is better now than he's ever been. And I, I you know, watched the last few games and obviously the, the game this past weekend at the time of this recording, the NFL playoffs are in. And he, I'm not trying to compare him to Peyton Manning, but one of the things that I always liked about Manning was he was such a, a field general is a great way to put it. He could look and understand everything, make changes, and a lot of quarterbacks can do that. They can look and they see what the defense is. They're familiar with the defensive plays. Like, okay, they're going to do this. Okay, we're going to switch this and this. But Peyton Manning did it at a different degree. And the thing with Brady, he's done that too throughout his career. And of course, during his years with the Patriots, it was kind of a two-headed monster with him and Belichick. And, right. and, and you think you know, one of the things that was so impressive about their run, love them or hate them, is all the Super Bowls that they went to. Think of the turnover of players. Like you had Belichick and you had Brady, but then think about everybody else. That was a pretty, there, um, there was a couple of turnovers of everyone, but yet they still succeeded because they had a system in place. And Brady goes to Tampa Bay. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. Well, you know, first season wins the Super Bowl. Okay, well, we know how that went. And again, because he was able to adapt and apply his system with their system and able to do it. And then, of course, you know, watching him over the last few games, just like looking at him, it's like, he's just like, he's like playing Madden on super mode where you right. can't lose. And, and yeah. that's literally how I look at him. I plays. It's like, He's like, boop, boop. It's like, how in the world did he get that ball there? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, he's running for a play. It's like, oh, no, Tom, don't run. You know, yes, you're good at it. We know you're an athlete. That's good. But, you know, we got to protect you in order for you to win. But when you see that and you, you do that in your own life and everybody can, and I love how you said this, where everybody wants to win and be successful like Tom Brady, but the work is what makes you good. Just like anything. You know, a play, a movie, you name it, a concert performance, any type of performance whatsoever. You go, you see a great concert, your favorite artist. All right. You know, they put in hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice and writing the music and all this stuff for a 90 minute show. If you're lucky, maybe longer or a movie. How many 
months or years does it take to do that? A Broadway musical, how many months or years of practice, writing, lighting, everything, all the things that go into it for this moment in time. Olympic athletes, again, I can go on and on. Years and years and years of practice and preparation for a pole vault or something else or bobsledding, whatever the case may be, could be a minute or less of actual performance, but you put in years for that 10 seconds. And a lot of people want that 10 seconds, but they don't put in the years to get to that 10 seconds. And that's, that's the secret sauce. Everybody says, is there a secret? Yeah. Preparation. Yeah. Practice. The practice is something that when you fall in love with the practice of doing something, the result is often inevitable. Someone that loves to practice and as a culture of getting better, practicing is just growing. It's just growing as, as a human, whatever we're doing, it's growing. And, and the Brady analogy is great because Brady creates a culture of winning and a culture um, that, that really drives success through growth, through better every game, better every day. And I, and I, I think that um, it is really, really interesting because the recipe is the hard work. It also comes with people finding what they're great at. People like Peyton Manning and Brady knew they were pretty great football players when they were in high school. And then they knew when they went to, to top tier division one programs, they were pretty great there. And now Brady was underdrafted comparatively, but he was at Michigan. It wasn't like he was at a, at a uh, poor institution for football and they've known what they're great at. People need to find what they're great at, invest in practice at that. And then the game gets easier for you because you're already gifted there. You're developing that talent. And one, one side thing I think that's always worth mentioning is this. If you are not in an environment where people tell you you're great at something, get out of that environment. So if you're a great singer, everyone around you tells you all the time how great you are at singing. If you're a great athlete, they tell you all the time from the time you're born, you know, and, and you're, you're in the sport. Wow. He's so fast. He's so great. She's amazing at soccer. Like, you know what you're great at people in the entrepreneurial world and in business often think they need to be great at something someone else is great at following TikTok and watching people try to be um, the dancers and they've never danced a day in their life, but they think that's the recipe for success because someone else did it that way is the opposite. It's finding what you're great at, developing and growing it, creating a culture in and around the practice, and then winning because it happens. I love that. So as we get close to wrapping up, let's talk about the book. Uh, I always ask authors, you know, why in the world would you sacrifice so much of your time to write a book? Because it's, it's time consuming. It's great when you actually hold it and, you know, people are reading it and they're, you know, posting comments about it and, and giving you praise and all that, like you just said, as far as being great at something. But, you know, what, what drove you to write the book? Um, what were some of the things and you know, maybe your, your favorite chapter out of the book? You know, I, I think, I think it's really the recipe. So the recipe was I was seeing so many people both in my industry and in the business world that were lost when it came to the next chapter. 
So there's another chapter that comes up in our lives and it might be a new career. It might be a, it might be the end of your career. It might be retirement. It might be whatever it is. But if you haven't created a rich life, you're not living a legacy versus waiting to live a legacy. You can't own the future. And so Freedom Street was all about finding the ability to define what freedom means to you. What does a rich life look like? And I don't mean riches in the sense of money. And then defining some of those action steps that help people get there. And then with legacy, what are you doing right now that's making an impact that's outside of your career? Something that if your career ended tomorrow, how are you going to have an impact on the world, on your family, on life in general? Do you have anything that's providing you that level of, of, um, of giving of all of yourself that's outside of, of just what you do to produce? And last, if you do that, owning your future can be easy. And so I just felt like in writing the book, it would be an organization of these thoughts that could potentially help more people be better prepared for that next chapter in their life, whatever it may be. And I use my industry as the example, but the real reality is it applies to everybody's life. Everybody has next chapters. I love that. And I highly encourage everybody to pick up a copy of the book. So Scott, loved our conversation today. Love the work you do. So where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you're doing? So uh, first, scottdanner.com is the easiest way to find all my stuff. You can also buy the book anywhere from Audible to listen to it to Amazon. And, and my wife actually had it delivered from Target. So, uh, you know, there's cool, cool things that, that you get to see happening. Most importantly, I think if you like the message, we're creating and launching a new YouTube channel that we just started. It's Scott Danner. I'd love to have people follow it. It's positive messaging. It's conversations just like this every day. And we look forward to people uh, finding us there and, and providing the, the, uh, the conversation that we're looking for of positivity and success moving forward. And I, I can't thank you enough, Michael, for having me. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So again, congratulations on the book and all this awesome work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.